If you got your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 28 real quick. Matthew chapter 28 is where we'll be. We'll be in three verses today uh, or tonight. If I say this morning, I'm sorry, I'm used to preaching up here in the morning. Um, but tonight we'll be in Matthew 28. You got your notes there. You're, you're already there. But if you want to flip your pages or turn your turn your Bible on <laughs> and go there, you can. That's where we're at. But uh, let me just catch you up real quick, close up to speed on, on what's happening here. Jesus is having a, uh, a pep talk with his team. And uh, he is having a, a eyeball to eyeball conversation, one of those like man to man conversations. He's got his his men together, kind of like a coach does. He's coaching them up. And uh, we're going to catch Jesus in this kind of eyeball to eyeball conversation with these guys. Y'all ever know any, any parents in the house, you know, you've had that eyeball to eyeball conversation with your children. And you're like, listen, you're not, I'm not talking to your back. Let me see your face. I need your face. Okay. Y'all ever had that conversation? You drive up into our Savior's church parking lot. And you're like, listen to me. We're about to go into church. Y'all hear me? You put on your church face. All right. Don't you be acting like a fool and embarrass mom and daddy. Y'all know what I'm talking about? I'll straight up spank you on that aisle. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Y'all have had that conversation? Mama's fingernails are digging into your skin as you're trying to partake in communion and love Jesus. Anyways, all my boys are right here, so they've all had it. You better listen. You better be, you better be taking notes, too. Where's your notes? Okay, anyways. Um, so anyways, that's where we got right here. We got Jesus having this eyeball conversation um, with his guys, and, and he really is, it's the end of Jesus's ministry. He's about to ascend into heaven. He's about to straight up leave, and uh, he's having this heart-to-heart conversation. And really, this heart-to-heart conversation is, listen, guys, I want to remind you why I got you in the first place. That's what this conversation is. I just want to remind you why you're on the team. And so, he begins to give them a very short, it's really not even long, it's really short, of this is what I expect of you. This is what you are to do. In Matthew 28, we catch up with Jesus having this conversation with these guys and, uh, and telling them this because I think oftentimes in church, the thing that happens in church is when you do something regularly, when you do something very often, when you come to church and you sit in your same seats that you sit in because... You do. I see it. You're in them right now. And, and you go through the same motions over and over and you go to the same life group or you, you go to the same classes and you, 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 you know the process of what we do on a Sunday. This is what ends up happening. Oftentimes when you've been in church for a long time, you lose the awe of that moment. We often lose the, the sacredness of that moment because we've just been doing it for so long. And y'all been there? I've been there. It just becomes tradition and repetition. It's just, I got to go do church and check my church thing off my list. So God will be, you know, proud of me and, and all that. And, and so Jesus is here engaging his guys yet again, reminding them, Hey guys, this is what we're doing. This is why we're here. And so if there's anything in the first Wednesday of this whole year, if I can, if I can share a message, it's this message, because I want us to be reminded by Jesus. Why are we here? Why are we here? Is it just to sit in a seat and throw some money in a basket and stand up for four songs and sit down and hear somebody talk? Or is there something bigger going on here that God's inviting us into? And so Matthew 28, look with me in verse 18. It says this. It says, and Jesus came and said to them, boys, listen up. 
I don't, it's not actually in this translation, but I think that's how he talked to him. <laughs> Guys, listen here. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go. Underline that word. Circle that word. Go. Go, therefore, and make. Circle that word. Underline that word. Make. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Jesus is reminding them of the, that, listen, I, I got you guys here because the whole purpose of me getting you here was that you would go. The whole job of me getting you on the team was not that so you could be with me. The whole job of getting you on the team was that so what I put into you, you would take. And you would go put that into other people. And he says, go therefore and make disciples and teach them and baptize them. And the same commission that Jesus gives to his 12 disciples in that, on that mountainside right there, is the exact same commission that God gives you and I right now, right where we are. That what he's done in us and what he's doing through us is not for us, but it's for what he wants to do in us and through us for other people. The same commission. This is, this is known as the great commission. It's not known as the great suggestion, even though we want to make it a suggestion. Should I? Should I not? I don't. No. He says, no, you are. You are to go. You are to go. Now, here's the story about the Great Commission. And so what I want to I want to do kind of a, if you've ever seen Lost or any, any shows like that, they go back in time and show you way before. So they show you what's happening now and then they go back. They do a, a flashback. Thank you. So I want to do a flashback. And I want us to go back because the disciples were not the same at that time when Jesus gives this commission than they were when he first called them. When he first called them, they were way different. The Bible says that a lot of these guys were fishermen. Now, I don't know. How many of you love fishing? Anybody in here love fishing? Yeah, I, I, love, I love fishing too. I don't do a lot of it, but I, I do really enjoy it. I have a theory actually on fishing, on why men love fishing. Y'all want to know my theory? Well, it really doesn't matter. I got the mic, so you're going to hear it anyways. Um, my theory on fishing is I think men love fishing because fish don't talk back. I think fish don't talk, right? They don't, they don't talk. I think men go to get away just to not, y'all know y'all, y'all with, and women. Okay. There we go. You know what? I mean, fish don't ask you to do something. Fish don't want to have a conversation about their heart. Like fish don't want to do that. I think that's why a lot of guys go sit in a blind or want to go fishing all the time. They have this theory. And, and, and with these guys, it's kind of very similar these guys are, are fishermen. These, these guys are um, very, uh, I would probably say, not people person type of guys. Um, these are the type of guys who get up real early in the morning before everybody else does. They go and they get in their boat and they push off of the shore. They get away from all the hustle and bustle of everything that's going on in the town. Usually a price slipping in before, before everybody wakes up. These are guys who really don't like people, don't like being around people. These are guys who like fish that don't talk. And they fish on tranquil waters for the most part. Have you ever been fishing for the most part? You're out there and it's literally nothingness. It's quiet. And these guys, this is their life. Quietness and nothingness and, and fishing. And it's not like deadliest catch, okay? These aren't those kind of fishermen. 
These are guys who sit in boat for hours upon hours upon hours. And the Bible says that sometimes they would fish all day and all night and catch nothing. What were they doing? I think they were man napping. You know what I mean? I know what man napping is. I do it all the time. Any guys in here take a nap and you tell your wife, hey, I'm going to go take a nap in three seconds. You're out. You're gone. Y'all know how that is. And it don't matter if TV's on, lights on, kids are yelling. You don't hear anything. You in your zone. Y'all with me on that one? I'm in the zone. Now the football game kicks on. I'm back up. I'm ready. I'm in. I'm in the zone. These guys, these are, these are these guys who just, they love fishing. Um, they really didn't like being around people. And one day Jesus walks by the boat. And he says two words that absolutely changes their life. Follow me. The Bible says that these guys actually drop their nets, drop everything that they do, and they follow them. Now, here's the crazy part that I've always found in this story, because Jesus doesn't give them any details on what's going to happen next. He didn't say, like, follow me, and then, hey, this is what's going to go on, and hey, follow me, we're going to go sit in on a classroom, I'm going to teach you, I'm going to train you, I'm going I'm to equip you. Like, he didn't say, he just said, follow me. And I don't know, I guess they were just bored, and they're like, what else we got to do, let's go. And so they, they got up, and they followed him. He didn't give them some kind of sign. Hey, sign this contract. Oh, by the way, you might want to read the fine print. There's like beatings and beheadings and stuff. You might want to read that part. Okay, anyways, he didn't give any of that. He said, follow me. And these guys get up and they follow him. And you've got to imagine these guys are used to being on a boat and tranquil and peace. It's what they love to do. And here they go engaging with Jesus to follow him. And in Matthew chapter 4... We're going to catch up with them. This is actually right after they get called to follow him. I want you to see this. This is, this is awesome. Matthew chapter 4, verse 22. And it says this. And immediately they left their boat and their what? And their father and they what? They followed him. Okay, so we catch up, leave their nets, leave their boats, leave their occupation, leave their, leave their family. And they follow him. Some of you have had to do that. And now watch this. And he went through all Galilee, teaching in the synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. So his fame spread throughout all Syria and, all, and they brought him all the sick and all the afflicted and all the various with various diseases and all those with pain and all those oppressed by demons and all those epileptics and all those paralytics and all those. He healed them all. And a great crowd followed him from Galilee. So I want you to imagine Jesus took these guys from literally a a sea of tranquility straight into a sea of humanity. They go straight from peace, quiet, I don't want to be around nobody, to following Jesus, to now engaging into all of these crazy people around me now. I want you to imagine these guys probably don't like people. And here they are following a dude that has tons of people following him. And they're not just like normal, like cool people. They like demon possessed people and paralytics and epileptics and people that got diseases and people that got leprosy and people that are like that stank, not just stink. They stank. And literally Jesus is telling these guys, this is what he's telling them. Welcome to the ministry. Welcome. Glad you're here. Because this is what your life's going to look like now. 
And the moment that these guys said yes to following Jesus, they were no longer in charge of where they were going to go. Think about that. As immediately when they said, yes, I'll follow you, Jesus, he became in charge of where they were going. He took control of where they were going. And his decision on where they were going was not based on if it was easy. It was not based on if it was comfortable. It was not based on if it was safe. His decision of where he wanted to go was where he wanted to go. He went wherever he wanted to go and they chose to follow him. Now, you got to imagine at some point when all of these demon-possessed people are coming around them, these guys at some point have to look at each other and go, I kind of missed the boat. You missed the boat. I missed the boat. Hey, dude, he's, look, he's over there casting out that demon. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go real quick. Hey, there's got to be a time in these guys where they just desire to go back to that place that they came from because that place was safe and that place was comfortable and that place was nice and that place was easy. And yet Jesus was engaging them into a mission and welcoming them into his mission. And these got these possessed people running after him. Because fish don't do that. Fish don't, fish aren't possessed. Um, they really aren't. Um, I think when I look at this story, one of the things that I think about all the times is, is often when we get in church for a while and we start seeing where God brings us, that's like uncomfortable. We want to go back to the boat. We come out of God rescues us out of our lifestyle and then he brings us into his kingdom and his mission. And then we get into his mission and realize, oh, wait, this isn't like comfortable and easy and all this. And so then we desire to go back to what he saved us from, which is what these guys desire to do. And I think many of us often, if we were very honest, would say that that we we do that often in our own lives. But God is telling us something and he's showing us something really, really powerful in this story. And that is, is that God doesn't just want us to be people who invite people to God. But he wants us to be people who are involved in people's lives. That we aren't just people who, who often realize that, uh, that God is not just wanting us just to pass out flyers and tell people, hey, I want to invite you to come to our church. He's telling us, I want you to be involved in people's lives. And for many of us, we're content with just sharing a Facebook post or inviting people to church. And listen, we tell you to do that. We tell you to invite, 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 because we believe when people experience Jesus, they are never the same. How many say amen to that? But God has not just called us only to just invite. He's also called us to get involved. And this is a story of Jesus inviting these guys. Listen, he goes, guys, I'm going to invite you into the ministry. But now you're not going to just sit by and watch me. You're now going to get involved with me. And they begin to go on this ministry journey of healing people. And, and I think the Great Commission at the end of the day is a call for us to get involved in people's lives. See, Jesus didn't invite anyone he wasn't willing to get involved with. A story of Zacchaeus. Y'all know the story of Zacchaeus? Zacchaeus is a wee little man. Going back to my, my Sunday school days. And a wee little man was he. And he climbed up in a sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. I won't sing the rest of it. But anyways, he, God sees him. Jesus sees him and invites Zacchaeus to come down and meet with him. But then he doesn't stay there. He then involves himself in Zacchaeus' life by going to his house. By going to his house. 
Jesus doesn't just invite, he, just, he then gets involved. The story of the woman at the well. Jesus invites her to meet him and to, and to drink of the living water. She was a Samaritan woman. Men, Jewish men in those days did not look at a, Jewish, uh, at a Samaritan woman, nevertheless talk to a Samaritan woman. And here he is not only inviting her to partake and to experience him and the, and the fresh water that he gives, that's living water that never will never run dry, but then he also invites her, I mean, gets involved in her life by talking with her, by communing with her, and then by telling her to go and begin to share that with people. And the Bible says the whole city comes and meets Jesus. God doesn't just call us to invite. He calls us to get involved. How many know inviting is easy? Inviting is, hey, come to church with me. Getting involved in the messiness of people's life. Now, I don't, I don't really care for that. That's a whole nother level. But the Great Commission is a call, not just an invitation. It's a call for involvement. It's a call for us to get into the lives of people. The world's got to see a church that doesn't just invite, but gets involved. And many times we want to kind of do a, like a drive-by flyer. Like, here you go. <laughs> I hope to see you. 9 and 10.45. <laughs> Show up. But I believe that our willingness to get involved as a church will trigger heaven's willingness to get involved in our church. I'll say that again. I believe that our willingness to get involved as a church will trigger heaven's involvement to get involved in our church. That God is going to get involved when we get involved in people's lives. And there are some things that God wants us to do first. Now, I want to share this story with you. And I actually shared this story a couple of weeks ago when I talked about, uh, when I, when I talked about perspective. And I've been reading the book of Acts for the past month. I just finished it. But this story has just really been a story that I've been coming back to over and over again. <clears throat> and I, and I want to share it with you and I want to, I want to frame it up real quick because I think we have the tendency when we, when we hear a story that we've heard of so many times, we can quickly jump to what we think the conclusion would be. And so I want to frame up this story in a way that is going to get you to look at it in a different way. So Acts chapter 16 is the original jailhouse rock. It's actually where Elvis got his song. Um, no, not really. But it is the story of Paul and Silas that literally rocked the jail. And uh, a couple weeks ago, I shared about that. I shared about the importance of them worshiping God and praising God and trusting God's plan in the midst of everything that's going on. But the more and more I've looked at this story, I've seen it from a different perspective. I don't actually think that their chains were broken because of their singing. Because I'm sure Paul's was pretty bad. Um, I don't think that the more and more I read this story, you have to actually back up to the beginning of the story to find out why I think they actually got busted out of jail. And so I want to catch up with the story because the story is, is in Acts chapter 16 and I want to, I want to read it in the message translation. A little bit of a different translation, but I want to read it from the message translation. And this is what it says. It says one day. On our way, underline that, that verse, on our way, one day on our way to the place of where? Where are they going? They come in a 6 a.m. prayer. That's what they're doing at our Savior's church. It's the place to be, by the way. But on our way to the place of prayer, a slave girl ran into us, and she was a psychic. And with her fortune telling, she made a lot of money for the people who owned her. And she started following Paul around, calling everyone's attention to us, by yelling out, these men are working for the Most High God. And they're learning out the road of salvation for you. And she did this 
for a number of days until until Paul, finally fed up with her, turned and commanded the spirit that possessed her, out in the name of Jesus, get out of her. And it was gone just like that. One day, on our way, on our way, all of us are on our way somewhere. All of us. We're all on our way somewhere. Maybe you're on your way to work, on your way to church, on your way to school. We're all on our way somewhere. Somebody is on their way somewhere. But in this story, God is going to put someone in their way. It's a difference. They were on their way, but God was about to put somebody in their way. Um, let's, let's do a little role play here. So I need a slave girl. Uh, let's find a teenager. No, by no means. <laughs> Come here, Kayla. Ah, she's a good slave girl. All right. You obey well. So, because she loves being in front of people. That's why I chose her. So, all right. So the Bible says that there's on their way, on their way, they literally, look what, look what the verse says. She, go back to the other one before that. So one day on our way to the place of prayer, a slave girl, what does it say? A slave girl ran into them. Ran into them. <laughs> the Bible says that not only did they run into her, she was a psychic, she was a fortune teller, and she was a slave. And that she made her owners a lot of money. And the Bible says that she ran into her and that Paul and Silas just went on their way. They just, they just kept going. And she was a girl, so she was like, oh, no, you didn't. Yeah, I mean, that's what she, Oh, you don't run into me and not pay for this. And so, so the Bible says she starts following them everywhere they go. And so she's just following and following and following. And she's also a girl, so she doesn't keep her mouth shut. And so she says, she says, these are the guys. These are the guys. And they tell you about salvation. These are the guys. And they tell you about salvation. And the Bible says that Paul and Silas are doing this. And they're walking around. And that not only is this happening for one day, <laughs> what does it say? It happens for a number of days. Paul and Silas, I guess, undoubtedly get up the next day and go back to the temple to preach. And here's that girl. And she's like, oh, no, you didn't. And so she's following them around everywhere that they go. And finally... Well, let me say this. Oftentimes when we're on our way, God puts people in our way for a reason. But they don't know that. They're trying to get away from her. And they don't realize that every day she keeps coming around. It's because God keeps putting her in their path every day. Anybody got somebody like that? 
Like every shift I go out, he's always there and he's on my shift. Or that girl, it's my coworker. They always partner me up with her. What is the deal? Anybody got somebody like that? And when you're on your way doing what you're supposed to be doing, you're trying to mind your own business, you get bumped by other people that are in your way. And this girl is ticked at him, and so she's going she's going to just hack him off by just following him everywhere he goes and yelling as he's preaching. And and the the Bible puts something really big here. And and, and here's here's what I want to make mention though before I do that. If you back up just a couple of verses later, the Apostle Paul and Silas were on their way to prayer just like this, just like this. They were on their way to prayer and they bump into another lady. This lady's name is Lydia. And if you go read in, in that same chapter, just a couple of verses before, they bump into her. But she's doing a Bible study. And so the Bible says that Paul and Silas sit down with Lydia and do the Bible study with her. And they actually lead Lydia to the Lord. And then not only do they lead Lydia to the Lord, they actually lead all of Lydia's family to the Lord and they baptize all of them. Same exact scenario on their way to prayer. And somebody got in their way named Lydia. This one, they were on their way to prayer and in their way was a slave girl. The reason I point that out is because I think we can be selective stoppers. Paul and Silas didn't mind helping Lydia because she had a good home. She was actually, the Bible says she was a seller of purple, meaning she was a fashionista. She dressed good. She, she put on nice clothes. She had a nice house. She made a lot of money. And so she, she probably was like, hey, guys, y'all can come chill at my house. I got a crib at my house. Y'all can go swimming in the pool. I mean, we'll do Bible studies. And they're like, heck, yeah, let's do this. The Bible says that they go and they stay at Lydia's house and, and, and Paul wins them to the Lord. But they're on their way to prayer the next day and they run into this one. Now this one's jacked up, messed up, demonized, hadn't taken a bath in a long time. And all they're trying to do is get away from her. And I honestly think for many of us, we are selective stoppers. There's certain people we don't mind bumping into and helping when they have something that benefits us. But when it's somebody that has nothing, you have nothing to benefit from, you don't want to have, you don't want to have anything to do with them. Especially those who get on your nerves. And so here we are in this. And, and I would love to say that Paul finally, the, an angel of the Lord came down to Paul and said, Paul, she is my girl. Take care of her. That's how angels talk. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> Take care of her. It's that ghetto angel, Gabriel. And so, uh, and so, but that didn't happen. I want, look, look what it says. She did this for a number of days until finally Paul was fed up. There wasn't nothing spiritual about it at all. He's like, I had enough. Out. <laughs> yeah, you can go. Come on, give it up for slave girl. Way to go. Thank you, slave girl. 
See, this girl was a whole heap of trouble. Possessed, dirty, had all these other guys that she was working for, probably a prostitute. They didn't want to have anything to do with her. That's not Caroline, by the way. She's an incredible woman. But I I find that when we meet people that we are like us, we don't mind stopping for them. We don't mind getting involved in those people because they're like me. But people who are not like me and that get on my nerves, we refer them to Pastor Josh. (laughs) And you're laughing because you do it every week. I think this is a Pastor Josh. (laughs) Hey, I got somebody I need to send to you. And nobody sends me the good ones. (laughs) Nobody. I got a couple of them this week. Uh, they're not, they don't go, they're not here. Um, so, but I'm, I'm serious here. And listen to me when I say this, our church will only grow as much as we're willing to get involved in people's lives and stop sending them to what we call quote unquote, the professionals to take care of it. If listen to me when I say this, if on your way, God puts somebody in your way. He put them in your way because he's giving you everything that you need for them. The Bible says that greater is he who is in me than he that is in the world. The Bible says that if God, that if if we need something from God, he'll will supply it. If we don't know what to say, he'll tell us. Come on, y'all with me? And this church will grow when we finally get to a place and we go, you know what? I got this one. I got this one. I'm going to get involved in this one. Yeah, she stinks. And yeah, it's, it's going to be hard. And yeah, it's going to be rough. And yeah, she's demon possessed. And this is going to be crazy. But God, you know what? If you put them in my way, then they're here for me. They're here for me. And I love it because Paul's not even spiritual. I mean, he just, he doesn't even care. He just rebukes it. Says, get out in Jesus' name. And the Bible says it was gone like that. But can I tell you this? God doesn't care how you get there. He just, he just cares that you get there. An invitation will not do to you what involvement will. Invitation will not do to you what involvement will. I want you to watch this now. Because this is the powerful part that I totally skipped over for so many years. Because these guys got involved in this slave girl's life... She had a demon cast out of her. So the enemy was pissed. But guess who he's pissed at now? He's no longer chasing this slave girl. Guess who he's chasing now? Paul and Silas. So the Bible says that they go on and now the enemy is chasing them. Now look at this. Acts sixteen nineteen. It says, when her owner saw that their lucrative little business was suddenly bankrupt, they went after Paul and Silas. Come on, how many of you know that that's our job? Our job is to make the enemy's job bankrupt. That's what we're all about. We're all about making what he does bankrupt. And it says, look what happens. And they roughed them up. And they dragged them into the market square. And then the police arrested them and pulled them into a court with accusations. These men are disturbing the peace. Dangerous Jewish agitators subverting our Roman law and order. And by this time, the crowd had turned into a restless mob. Out for what? Out for blood. The judges went along with the mob. Had Paul and Silas' clothes ripped off and ordered a public beating, 
Sounds like fun, huh? After beating them black and blue, they threw them into jail, telling the jailer to put, put them under heavy guard so that there would be no chance of escape. And he did just that. He threw them into the maximum security cell in the jail and clamped le- their leg irons on them. See, I want you to realize this. The reason Paul and Silas are chained is because they loosed a slave girl. They took off the chains of a slave girl, and therefore the byproduct is they were in chains. The reason that they were in a prison cell in confinement was because they had helped set a girl free. They set a girl free, and they get in prison. What's up with that? But I want you to see this, and this is, this is such the powerful part that we miss all the time. Verse 25, and along about midnight, Paul and Silas were at prayer singing and a robust, a robust hymn to God. And the other prisoners couldn't believe their ears. Then, without a warning, a huge earthquake and the jailhouse tottered. Every door flew open and all of the prisoners were loose. See, because here's what happened. God was about to get involved in their lives because they got involved in somebody else's. And I'm going to tell you right now, when you get involved in somebody else's, God gets involved in yours. And the whole reason that God came in and took those chains off and opened those prison doors off of all those people was not because they prayed and sang good, was because they got involved in a slave girl's life and got her chains off. And God says, if you get that person's chains off, I'll get your chains off. And that's how it happens. As they're sitting there in prison, thinking about that day, one day, one day, They were on their way. All I wanted to do was pray. Got to go meet up with this slave girl. And all of the time, God was lining this up for them to interact, to put somebody in their way, for them to free her eventually. After he was fed up, he wasn't spiritual. After he was fed up, for them to actually go to prison. I want you to see how God's lining this up. You got to think. Beat. Black and blue, stripped publicly, naked. How is this God? And here they are in the middle of the jail. Finally going, God, we're just going to sing praises to you. And in the middle of them singing praises, God shows up. God, may we not miss it. God will only get himself involved in your life when you get yourself involved in other people's lives. Some of you wonder why God is so distant from you. Why God hasn't been showing up in your life. You know why? Because it's only been about you. So why would he want to help you when it's only been about you? But God's so gracious sometimes. How many of you know? How many of you know he's so good to you even when you're not good? You're not worthy of it. God does stuff in our life even when we're selfish. I mean, we're just, that's why he calls us children. Because we're like kids. We only care about ourselves. But true maturity happens in our lives when we get to a place where it's no longer about me. But it's all about what God can do through me. Remember, the Great Commission is not about invitation. It's about involvement. And all of us in here seem like oftentimes we can just, God, I invited people. And I'm glad you do. And I I don't want you to stop. Actually, I want you to ramp it up. I want you to invite more people. But here's what I want you to do. When you invite them and they come. And they give, they raise their hand for salvation. 
that at that moment, you go, I'm with you. Now let's walk this thing out. And you get involved in people's life. You don't just invite. You get involved. God shows up in churches that are involved in rescuing people because it's been his plan since the beginning of time. When Jesus told his followers, follow me, you know what he was thinking about? The day when he would ascend into heaven and go, all right, now you go. And they're like, say what? Yeah, you go. Now you go do everything that you saw me do for the last three years. And you and I are here today because those guys went. You are here today because somebody was brave enough to get involved in your mess. Do you realize that? We are all where we are today because somebody stepped up and got involved in our mess. Somebody didn't just invite us to church, but they got involved in our lives and helped bring us to Jesus. The story of the paralytic man and the four friends who who bring this paralytic friend to Jesus. And the Bible says they go to bring him to Jesus. And there's so many people in the house that they can't get in the house. And so what do they do? They take the roof off. We got to get this guy to Jesus some way or another. Sure enough, they take the roof off, lower the guy down. And they finally, they, they bring him to Jesus. And they go, listen, it's not enough that we say, hey man, you need to meet Jesus. Yes, he does. But what would it be like if instead of us telling people you need to meet Jesus, what if we actually introduce people to him? Yeah, okay, good. All right, good. And you know how we introduce people to him? By our lives. By getting involved. Paul said in, the, in, the, in, the, in, in his letters to the churches, he said, I didn't just preach to you, I got in your life. And so often people, I'll tell you why people hate the church. Because most churches, the people in those churches want to stand up and preach at people. They don't want to get involved in people's lives. They want to stand up on a corner and go, you need to get saved or you're going to hell. But yet they don't want to begin to walk with those people through their hell to get them to Jesus. What it would be like if our, and you know what, I, that's, I honestly, that's what I love about our church. I love that about you. I love that about this church. We're not committed just to pray for our city. We're committed to be in our city. We don't just, we don't just say, hey, we're going to pray for our city. And God, bring all the people to our church. Because there's nowhere in the Bible that you see God tells them, hey, just tell them, tell them they need to come to church. What, what you see is God commissioning his church to go to the people. He doesn't say, hey, tell the people to come to church. He says, tell the church to go to the people. So what would it look like if our Savior's church decided, you know what? Instead of finally telling people, hey, you're going to come to church. What if we brought church to, to them? You know why we're involved in Jennings High School and Jennings Elementary and Lake Arthur Elementary? You know why? Because we want to bring church to where people are. You know why we're involved in the things that we're involved in? It's because we want to bring church to where people are. Where the darkest places are, we want to bring the light of the gospel. How many of you know dark people don't come to the light? The light goes to the darkness. Listen, I know this is not a comfortable message because I'm asking you to get beat. Because it's going to be hard. You're going to be rejected. There are things that may come your way because you engage in this mission. But seeing a life change will never leave you the same. You will want to be in this game for life. 
when you find out that you have a chance and an opportunity to change a life. Maybe it's time for you and for me to take our next step and to get involved. If you're following Jesus, it's going to be the best ride of your life, but it won't be the safest. And it won't be the easiest. And it won't be the most comfortable and it won't be the most convenient, but it will be the best. And we're going to have a fun time doing it. Because I'm going to tell you, if we ain't having fun doing church, we're doing it all wrong. This should be a blast. I've loved it. The past couple of weeks, I've had different random people come up to me and go, I've never wanted, I've never looked forward to coming to church. And I've just been looking for, I can't wait till Sunday. I literally, I cannot wait until we get to go. Our family is so pumped. And I love that. Because you know what that means? Jesus is here. And when Jesus is here, anything can happen. I want to read a story to you. This past week, we, we asked all of you to share your stories with us. Some of you did. Some of you are a disobedient flock, but that's okay. I forgive you. Those who weren't here, you get a pass. Those of you who were here, you can do it today and I'll absolve you. Um, I'm joking. Um, no, not really. Yes, I am. Um, this is a story that was written in. We asked three questions. What was your life like before Christ? How did you meet Christ? And how has Christ changed your life? What was your life like before Christ? This is what they said. Before Christ, I was very selfish, which in turn left me feeling dark and lonely. I turned away from my family and everyone who loved me due to a meth addiction, wanting to do my own thing. When I look back, I was really fortunate to be alive. I was 90 pounds and was certain that I would die soon from the drug abuse. But God, God used Hurricane Rita and my family losing everything to relocate us to Jennings. I soon followed to be sure to spend time with my dad and make up for all the time that we had lost. I was so fortunate that God allowed us that time together because after a long fight with cancer, I lost my dad. But for the first time in my life, I ran to God instead of from him. And I felt his overwhelming love and his comfort and was so blown away by my OSC family's support. I'm forever changed because of Christ's unfailing love and grace. And because of his death and resurrection for my sins, I will forever praise him. I have joy in my heart that no drug could ever give me. And this year will be 10 years that I'm drug free. And it's all because of Jesus. Now, that's not the end of the story because I want to continue to share some of that story. So, so that girl gets radically saved. And over the course of the, the following years, begins to really pray that, God, what you did in me, I don't want it to stay here. I want it to continue on to those I love the most. This girl had a sister that she loved a lot and began to pray and ask God that, God, would you save my sister and her family? And for many years, she prayed that. Many, many years. And finally, one day, her sister and her brother-in-law stepped into this church and heard the gospel preached and raised their hand for salvation. And that day, they got saved, and God radically began to transform that family. Months later, that whole family got baptized right here. That's not the end of the story, though. 
This is the cool part. So a couple months ago, Pastor Bubba, myself, Pastor Zach, Pastor Jamie, we have a pastor's meeting every Tuesday. We had a meeting, and we always go to lunch after because that's what pastors do. We eat. Um, so we went to Mike's restaurant. We sit down at Mike's restaurant, and we order. And there's a waitress that's there. And she says, you guys, are, do you all pastor at our Savior's church? I said, yes, we do. And she begins to cry. Oh, okay. I didn't even order yet. I don't know what's going on here. Um, maybe it'll be free. No, I'm joking. And so, so this girl begins to share about how she has this, these really good friends that started coming to our church. And on Facebook, she saw that they had gotten baptized and how she was absolutely crying when she saw the picture of them being baptized. And she says, I don't know what's going on at your church, but my family needs to be there. So we sat there, we prayed with her, we invited her to come. And the next Sunday, her and her husband and family showed up to church. And that Sunday, when the gospel was preached, they both raised their hand and declared Jesus as Lord of their life. And that person is still here today. And the first sister that I talked about is Allison Jardell. The second sister is Heather. And then the third is a lady named Reagan and Dusty. Do you see that when people are in your way, they're not just in your way, that God wants to have his way? And that because you allow to get involved in people's life, the chain reaction of what happens... The crazy thing is when I look around this room, I see so many stories of this happening. We could stay here all night, but your kids got school tomorrow. I understand. Of stories just like this. I remember walking into Big Brothers and Big Sisters and meeting Madeline for the very first time. You remember that? I remember that. I was on my way to go to Big Brothers and Sisters to find out how we could start mentoring kids. And I encountered Madeline was in my way. And, uh, and we begin to sit down and begin to share about the church and she began to share about her life. And then we got involved in her life and got involved in her daughter's life. And we've been on a journey together. I think about many stories in here. Damon, I remember one day Damon Facebooking me a message saying, Hey, can you just pray for me? He's going to another church. Didn't know me. I didn't know him. Well, he knew of me. I said, sure. I'd love to pray for you. He was asking about our men's Bible study. And here we are, leading worship. When people are on your, when you're on your way, and there's people that get in your way, know that God's doing something. He's got them in your way for a purpose. I, I, I wonder what my life would be like if people didn't get in my life and involve themselves in my life. I know I wouldn't be the man I am today. And do you know that at the end of the day, Jesus is the greatest story of involvement. We just celebrated Christmas. Christmas is Emmanuel, God with us. How many of you know God just didn't send out an invite like a Willy Wonka golden ticket? And say, whoever gets the ticket, gets the ticket, get the train ride. How many know he could have? But what did Jesus do? Jesus got down from the throne of heaven, 
the most comfortable, best place you could ever be that I can't wait to be in. And he saw hurting humanity. And he got out of his quiet, tranquil, glorious place of being worshipped and engaged his life by coming as a baby and getting involved in the muck and mire of our lives to eventually get involved by hanging on a cross for you and for me. Involvement bled for you. Involvement took stripes on your back for you. And I am here to remind you while you are on your way, there are people that are in your way for a reason. If you go on and you read the story of Acts 16, here's the crazy part. The fashionista, Lydia, the demonic slave girl, and, and, and when they break out of jail, guess who Paul also leads to God? The jailer. The whole jailer, the jailer and his entire family get saved. And guess what started? The Philippian church started with those three people. Those three people. Think about it. Those three people. Demonic girl, fashionista girl, and jailer. That makes for a crazy group of people. And God puts them together. And the Philippian church is birthed. I wonder how many churches are going to get birthed out of this church because people were on their way and people got in their way. I know Crowley got started that way. And I know Eunice got started that way. I'm wondering how many more churches will start because of that. God has more people for us to reach. God has more churches for us to plant. God has more things for us to do. But this is the call for us to get involved. And so I am issuing a call like none other. Let's not sit as spectators and just come and watch. Let's participate and get involved. And if you believe that and you are all in, come on, let me hear an amen. Amen. Come on, can we be a church that fulfills our vision to reach people and build lives? That's what we do. Reaching people is hard. Reaching people takes sacrifice. Reaching people takes money. Reaching people is inconvenient. Reaching people takes your family time. Reaching people means you got to stay up late. Reaching people, I'm just telling you, that's what it is. But when you got to change life like the Jardells and the Sonyes and Reagan and, and Billy and Damon and Shane and Jessica, and it's worth it. It's worth it. It's worth it. God, I pray, I pray, I pray that we would not be content with just inviting people to church, but that we would step into it and get involved in people's lives. Today we're at Pizza Hut and I'm wrapping this whole thing up. We're at Pizza Hut right before an hour ago, Billy Knight walks in and gets pizza and then walks out and then walks back in and pays for my meal. And I'm, I'm, I, come, I'm, I was working late and I, I come, I run up, I run up to the, the booth in, in, in Pizza Hut and Lindsay goes, you see our waitress? I said, yeah. She said, are you guys pastors at our Savior's church? And she said, yeah. She said, I've been hearing about that church and I really want to go. People are watching us. They're watching us. Here's the question. Well, we go from invitation to involvement. And let me show you how quick this, how easy this is. Instead of just going, hey, I want you to come to my church. 
This is what you say. I'll pick you up at nine. Come sit with me. Come be with me. Come walk with me. Because I'm going to tell you, when you invite somebody and they sit by you and we do something like this and we give, hey, if you want to know Jesus, raise your hand. And they raise their hand. Something inside of you will explode because you knew you got to play a part in that. Come on, how many want to get in the game? I, listen, I am not a spectator. I hate watching games. I want to hit somebody, okay? I want to tackle somebody. Y'all with me? When I'm watching UFC, don't be near me, okay? I want to be in it. Listen, let's not be a church that just wants to watch God do things. Let's let him do stuff through us. Amen? Come on, let's just lift our hands right there. You can just sit right there. God, God, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Today, God, Lord, Lord, we, 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 we say yes, Lord. We say yes, Lord. God, I want to remind your people today, God, of that first time that they said, yes, I will follow you. God, that salvation moment for many of these people, for many of them, it was years ago. For some of them, it was days ago. But God, I pray as a people, as Christians, God, that we would not be a church that's content with just inviting, but that we'd get involved. God, that when, when we're on our way doing the mundane things of life, that we would have eyes to see people that are in our way, people that you've put in our path, teachers, students, co-workers, family, friends, neighbors, God, people that, that, that need to hear the great news of the gospel, God, that we wouldn't just be content with just inviting, but God, we'd get involved. God, we'd have dinners, coffee, lunch. God, we'd pick people up. We'd bring people to Jesus as the four friends did. God, Lord, let that be us. God, today we say yes. Count me in. God, we're all in. God, I pray this year we'll reach more people than ever before. I pray this year we'll plant more churches than ever before. God, I pray that this year more, more stories like we've heard in alleys and Heathers and Reagans. God, I pray more of that. God, more salvations this year than ever before. All for your glory, God. All for what you want to do. God, not to make our Savior's church famous, but to make Jesus famous. God, that we won't be content with seeing hell populated, but God, we'll make it hard for people to go to hell. If they want to go to hell, they got to go through us, God. They got to go through us. God, I pray today, God, that there would be an awakening in your people tonight. God, you right now, you're putting people's names and faces in their heart right now. Bring it to their memory right now. God, who is it that's in their way? God, maybe it's a workout partner. Maybe it's somebody at their school. Maybe it's somebody at their job. God, who is that? Who is that? Quicken that to us, God. And then give us the boldness and confidence, God, to engage and get involved in those. We thank you for this in the mighty name of Jesus and all God's people said.